All right, good evening, everyone. This is Chris Miles here for our monthly Curriculum for Wealth call tonight. And definitely, this is going to be a special night tonight. I know this is going to be a really popular topic with, with many of you, especially since each of us want to know how we can really increase our, the value of our businesses and really turn this into our number one investment. Uh, before we do that, I want to actually bring up something here because this is one of the benefits you have, whether you're a current member of Fast Track or you're a lifetime member where you've been with us for longer than you know, the last six months or a year or so. And uh, one of those things is, especially when each of your business owners, I know a lot of you are really looking for ways to, to uh, lessen those, those holes where cash might be leaking out, especially when it comes to cash flow and so forth, not just in your personal life, but also in your practices and your businesses. Uh, one opportunity that came along here is one of our, one of our uh, new team members, Dr. Rob Scranton, in fact, many of you on this call might know him, uh, chiropractor, actually just, just sold off his practice, is now working with us in Freedom Fast Track. Uh, as he's been looking to find ways to create value in, in, for our members of Fast Track, he talked about at, with him being a doctor, merchant account fees was a big deal. And uh, many of you, especially the bigger practices, this is a huge, huge deal um, where uh, you're paying, you know, sometimes uh, you know, thousands of dollars a month in, in fees. You know, most likely it's probably in the hundreds, but it could easily be in the thousands. If you think about if your collections are $50,000 a month, if you could save 1% on your merchant account fees, you know, that's, that rate there is already $500 a month. And so uh, one, one, one actual relationship he has here is, is with a company where uh, they actually make this offer right here where they'll give you $500 if they can't beat what you currently have. Um, but in many cases, the rates can be even lower than 2%, depending on the practice and, and depending on uh, some of the specifics with your business. And so uh, one opportunity that Rob's offered here is that you can reach out to him and contact him, and he'll be able to, to connect with this company and uh, they guarantee that if they can't lower your, your merchant account fees, your rates, they'll give you $500 just for, just, for, uh, just for participating. So I know it sounds kind of too good to be true, and, and, uh, and that's the first thing I said too, but it's actually legitimate here. So um, to contact Rob to be able to, to get connected with this company here, his phone number here at the office is 801, that's area code 801-214-9670, 801-214-9670. Two one four nine six seven zero. So definitely invite everybody here. If you if you're charging any amount of debit cards or credit cards at this point, I think it's definitely worth a look to see if it's it's worthwhile to see if you can capture more money in your business that can actually be put into motion rather than just leaking away going to to fees and services that you don't get to you know, that you really don't have to keep paying extra money towards. So so definitely that's a, one of those added benefits that happens as as uh, time goes on in fast track and. I know there'll be more of those to come too. So, please go ahead and take care of that offer right now, um, after this call, of course. So, uh, at this point, I want to go ahead and introduce Brandon Allen, who's our special guest tonight, because I'll tell you, there's it, it's so neat to know that you know uh, our organization, especially, really supports you in investing yourself and investing in that number one investment for most, if not all, of you, which is in your business. You know, really investing yourselves in, in line with your business that's aligned with your sole purpose. And so often we have this business we put this extra time and effort into and it can produce great cash flow. But the question is, well, then what? What if you're not there? Is it solely dependent upon you to be successful? Because if so, does it really feel like it's a business or does it feel more like you're this really well-paid self-employed professional? And I know there might be a few of you saying, gee, I'd like to be even better paid, <laughs> even if I am self-employed. And this is exactly why this call is for you. And this is exactly why Brennan and I thought this was very important to bring up. Because yeah, how many times can you, can, you, can you keep working and working? But could you create a system, a business that could really work not only with you, but also a little bit independently without you? 
can it even continue above and beyond even your own life? And that's something we'll actually we'll talk about in September in a couple months. We'll get into that as well with, with Andrew Howell and a few others. But really, like, what can we do right now to increase the value of our business so that our investment is increasing in value, not just in cash flow, but in value overall? So if you ever sold it or you had to step away from the business, you've got this additional investment that's there paying you. So at this point, I want to introduce Brandon Allen. Uh, many of you might know him. You might be working with him already in the business fast track. Uh, many, many of you would know him for sure for that reason. Uh, amazing guy that I met back in 2007 when he came here with Freedom Fast Track. He's one of the oldest old-timers we've got here in the, in, from the last five and a half years we've been around. And uh, came on as our, our chief operating officer, You know, came on to really help us manage the team and help us grow, and uh, did a great job there. And now we have him as a business fast track, and he's also the the main coach in the advanced fast track, which is focused on helping people take a really good system they already have in their office. Business fast track is to help you create great systems in your, in your practice and to make sure that your business is rock solid and you can create systems of duplication. But once you're there, what if you want to create more offices just like that? What if you really want to replicate and duplicate it even more and, and create uh, you know, even satellite offices and so forth? Well, that's exactly what Brandon does in the advanced fast track as well and really helps people take that to the next level, managing their teams, you know, creating systems through people, process, and procedures. And, you know, it's definitely always a treat to have Brennan here because of his expertise and the, the real value he brings to the table. So at this moment, uh, Brennan, go ahead and hit star six on your phone to unmute here. But definitely, uh, Brennan, love to welcome you out here, and, uh, you know, thanks for coming. All right, Chris, can you hear me okay? Just fine. Awesome. Well, look, I am really excited to be with everyone today. Um, when Chris talked to me about this specific topic of, you know, how do we create more value in our business and create more for our bottom line without uh, having to necessarily increase revenue, although we'll talk about that a little bit today. But just with the actual resources that we already have, it's really exciting. And so uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with me, um, uh, Chris kind of explained my history with Fast Track. And uh, before I came to Fast Track, I, I worked in the corporate world for about 10 years. And uh, during that time, I uh, managed anywhere from a $7 million operation to a $63 million operation. When I was done, I had uh, 25 employees. And so a lot of the things that I'm going to talk to you about today and why I bring that up is just that I know on both sides of the spectrum what a small business needs to, uh, to grow and, and scale their business because I've seen it uh, at a large level in the corporate world. And so um, so today, you know, you may be thinking, okay, well, who is this call for? Uh, Wade had sent out an email uh, about our call, I believe it was yesterday, um, just talking about, um, you know, the, how you sell your business for two times what it's, uh, what it's worth or, uh, you know, how do you increase the multiplier in your sales? And so for some people, they may be thinking, well, I don't know that I ever want to sell my practice or... I'm not really sure that I want to scale it and, and uh, you know, have multiple doctors and things like that. Well, the good news is that this call is not only for people who maybe want to branch out and have multiple practices, um, but this is, also, and this is also for people who, you know, may be looking at selling their practice down the road, but it's also for people who maybe they're never going to sell their practice or they never intend to, but this is going to be some things that will make your current practice uh, more efficient, even if you don't hire more associates. And, and really the bottom line as we, as we talk about this and to think about is sometimes things happen in our lives that cause us 
to have to sell our business even if we don't want to. So we want to be prepared for that. And so that's kind of some of the things that we're going to talk about today. And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, we're going to talk about three specific habits. And so as Chris and I talked about this, what I really wanted to do was keep this as simple as possible so that there were some things that you could implement right away. Um, if, you, uh, if, you, if you've been on these curriculum for wealth calls for any period of time, uh, you may have heard one that we did a few months ago uh, that was called the 10 Ways to Build Equity in Your Business. And that was a call that Garrett did uh, uh, for the group. And it, it took 10 really high-level activities, and he, and he kind of uh, opened up the fire hose, so to speak, on the group and gave them those 10 ways that they could build equity. Well, the, to, to try to wrap your arms around those 10 specific ways in one call, uh, it's good information, but for a lot of people it can be very overwhelming. So when I talked with Chris about this particular topic, what I really wanted to do was keep it simple and give you some specific things that, number one, you had a lot of control over, and then we're going to talk about one of those 10 ways um, that I feel is the, is the easiest thing that you can recognize uh, today at the end of this call. So, uh, Chris, do you have anything else that you want to add before I get into uh, some of the specific habits? No, not at all. Jump into it. Okay, perfect. So uh, the first thing that I wanted to talk about is there's – and I'm going to give you a mix of things that we talk about in the business fast track, but I'm also going to give you some bonus material that we talk about in the advanced financial fast track as well. Um, and so the first few things that I'm going to talk about are things that we, that we go over in the Business Fast Track program. So, um, so the first thing that we're going to talk about is working on the business. So when, we, when we're talking about creating value in our business, what that really looks like is really taking the time to uh, really hone in what's going on with our business, polish it, um, and, and create the systems and processes um, that – that are needed to really make that business run efficiently. And so we, can, we can't do that. We can't improve our business and be creative if we're not spending that time working on the business. Now, when I talk about working on the business, I'm not talking about um, returning phone calls or returning emails or doing paperwork or uh, even, even talking with employees and things like that. Now, sometimes that may uh, deal with working on the business. But when I talk about working on the business, what I'm talking about is looking at your business from a 30,000-foot viewpoint, putting together strategies, plans, improving processes, um, marketing strategies, growth strategies, all these different things. Maybe you're thinking about uh, maybe you've got some kind of proprietary system or technology that you want to introduce to your marketplace that you want to work on. All those different things are work on the business functions. And so what it comes down to really is creation. Do we want to be creators? Or do we want to be reactors? And so when I first started out in, in business, uh, one of the things that I found myself being was a reactor. Um, I was always, my, my attention was always on the most immediate need at that specific time. So if there was a, a client issue, if there was an employee issue, if there was some kind of computer issue, whatever that was, that's, what I, that's where I was putting my attention to. And so then I would, I would handle and fix that uh, that particular problem, then I would move on to the next fire. Okay, what's the next fire that I can put out? Okay, then I'm going to handle that. Now where's the next fire? And so it was very exhausting to go from fire to fire, and I felt like I was just making it through the day. And it, it, I, I came to a point where I thought, 
I'm not really furthering my business or moving it forward because I'm not spending the time to create and really put the systems in place that would allow me to not have to react so much to what was going on. And so when we're talking about creating value for our business, we're talking about how do we spend more time creating versus reacting. Now, when I talk to a lot of professional business owners, and on this call right now, we have physical therapists, we have dentists, we have chiropractors, we have uh, some people from other industries here. Um, but particularly for professional business owners, one of the things that we run into is how do we free up more time to get out of working in the business and being the technician to being the actual business owner, if you're familiar with that term technician from uh, the book Enith. And so how do we get more time? And so some things that I want to talk about with working on the business is there are, there are a few ways, and I want you to write these down, that you can free up time to get out of your business. And so one of those things that you can do is you can hire more team. So, for instance, if you're a dentist or a chiropractor, you can hire another associate. Um, if, if you're spending a lot of time managing your employees and you want to have someone help you with the management side of your business, you could hire a manager. You could hire a business manager that would come in and manage your team and manage the day-to-day -day operations of your business so that you can then stay high level uh, within your business and maybe do, some, uh, maybe do some of the technical work as well, but spend more time uh, high level. Now, for some of you, that may not be anything that you want to do, and that may not be realistic. So the other thing that you can do to free up time is be more efficient with your time. And one of the ways that we look at being more efficient, and we do this in the business fast track, is we talk about what are your top five activities. What I want to know from each and every business owner and what you want to really get a hold of is what are the top five things that, that I can do as a business owner that bring value to the practice? So, for instance, if you're a chiropractor, one of the easy ways to identify that is uh, if you're doing an adjustment. That's probably one of your top five value-producing activities. Uh, if you're a dentist, it could be certain types of dental care um, that are the most value-producing activities. If you're a, another business owner, it might be uh, research and development or creating new products. Um, so identifying the top five activities, and this is really important because what I want to do is I want to identify, okay, what are my top five? And then the second thing that I want to identify is how much time am I spending in these top five activities? Am I spending the right amount of time in my top five activities, and are, are there some of my top five activities that I'm just flat out neglecting? So I want to look at that. But then on the flip side of that, I also want to, I also want to make a list and make an inventory of what are the things that I'm doing in my business right now that I shouldn't be doing. So what are those things that I'm doing in my business right now that I should not be doing, and how can I either stop doing them altogether or delegate them to someone else on my team so I can free myself up to do and work in those top five activities. So when we're talking about creating value in the business, if you're working within your top five value-producing activities and you're working on the business on a regular basis, you're going to create more value in your business because you're doing the things. When we talk about sole purpose within the Freedom Fast Track, which is really the, the linchpin of the, of the entire program, when we talk about sole purpose and working in that, the more you can work in your sole purpose and understand that, uh, the more value you're going to inherently bring to your business just because you're going to be doing those things that just come so natural to you that create so much value that your, your, your practice or your business is going to have no choice but to uh, elevate its performance because you're doing the things that you do best within your business.
So that's one of the habits. The second habit is to create a winning culture, and we hear this a lot. Uh, if you think about uh, exceptional businesses today, whether it be Apple, whether it be Google, whether it be Zappos, uh, some of these uh, different businesses uh, that exist today that are exceptional, they all have a winning culture and a, and a winning culture of, uh, for instance, Google does something where uh, they, their employees spend 80% of their time working on Google-specific projects, and then they spend 20% of their time working on other projects um, that don't have anything to do with Google. Now, the, the caveat there is, is that they develop something uh, during that 20% time. They need, to, they need to use it for Google. But they have 20% of their time to just go out and create and do their own thing and kind of run in a direction that they want to run in, which creates a lot of power for their employees because they don't get bored. Um, if you look at Zappos, one of the things that made Zappos uh, so popular, and if you're not familiar with Zappos, Zappos is a shoe retailer that uh, about a year or so ago got purchased by Amazon for I'm not even sure how many billions of dollars, but uh, needless to say, it was a very successful acquisition for, for, uh, for Zappos and their CEO, Tony Shea. But they have 10 core values, and some of their core values are things like uh, wow people through service. Um, and so how they do that is, uh, for instance, Tony Shea um, had had his friend joke around with them and say, you know what, I'm going to call Zappos and order a pizza. And he literally called Zappos. He ordered a pizza, and they, they asked him, okay, where are you located at? Okay, great. What, what pizza place do you prefer? They went and called the pizza place, and they had a pizza delivered uh, to one of Tony Shea's friends, who's the CEO of Zappos. Uh, and that's just the service type of service culture. I mean, it's an almost you would think that's almost an unreasonable uh, service standard uh, that they're creating there, uh, you know, with their culture. But they have a set of core values that they've created. Uh, one of their other core values is Apple's is create fun and a little bit of weirdness. Um, so, you know, whatever that is as a business owner, what are some ways that you can create a winning culture? And this is where we really talk about management. And so when we're talking about creating value in a business, what, what someone wants to see who's a serious business investor or someone who's really serious about buying a business is they want to see how well is this business managed. So the better that you can increase your management skills and the better run your office is, the more attractive that business is going to be. It's going to stand out amongst other businesses whose culture is just so-so, where people are just coming in, they're paying, they're just, they're, they're, they're just punching the clock, you know, hey, when do I get out of here? Five o'clock, I'm out of here, great, see you later. I'm just doing the minimum that lets me keep my job. And so this comes down to managing your business. And so uh, one of the things that uh, we talk about within a business is how do you create an experience? And one of our 10 points of experience is the internal culture is the caretaker of the external experience. So when we talk about all these things like branding your business and creating an exceptional experience, it all, it all starts with your management and the culture of your business. And when you take care of your people and you create the support and the, and the winning culture within your business, that, 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 steps, that, that spreads outside of your office to the experience that people have and the way that people view your business. So there's some things, and if you were with us um, two or three, maybe four months ago, uh, maybe when we talked about delegating and hiring, we're going to talk about some of these things. So the first thing with creating a winning culture is you're not just a business owner in your business. You're a coach. And so coaching your team 
uh, how often are you coaching your team for performance? And so one of the things that we do within the business fast track is we have employees fill out what's called a strengths builder exercise. And what the strengths builder does is it identifies, you know, what they feel like they're good at, why they're, what, what they feel like they're weak at, why they work at your business, um, what's the best praise that they've ever received, what, um, what's their best mentor relationship, what are some goals that they have uh, within their current role that they would like to uh, achieve. And so all of these things are very powerful. So now when they tell me these things about themselves, now I can coach them for performance. And you can do this coaching uh, you know, just think about what you're doing right now. And if you're doing a, a weekly team meeting or something like that, that's great, but that's not coaching people on an individual basis for performance. That may be coaching the entire team and setting expectations, which is great, but I'm talking about one-on-one -on -one time where you're coaching people and improving their performance within your practice. Now, when I was in the corporate world, we did this on a weekly basis. Uh, maybe you can't do this on a weekly basis, but could you do it every two weeks? Could you do it at, at the very minimum once a month where you have your employee pick a topic and you sit down with them? And when we did coaching on a weekly basis, I only coached someone for 15 minutes. It was very tight and it was very focused. They brought a topic to me. We spent some time talking about it. We talked about how they did the week before. And then we talked about, okay, how are you going to implement this particular thing that you learned into your day-to-day -day work this week? And how are we going to know that it showed up? What, what is something that I can look for that I know that, hey, this person's really implementing what we just trained and talked about? And so not only did I coach them, but then I followed up with them once or twice throughout the week just to see how things were going with the particular coaching topic. So then I give them coaching, but I also give them support. And this is very important when you're building a, a, a high-value business because the more you coach your team, the better they perform. The better your team performs, the better your office is going to do. The, the more they're going to take care of their, their, your patients or your clients or your, or your uh, product buyers, and the more they're going to ask for referrals, the more they're going to do all the things that you want them to do within your business. Um, when we create a winning culture, we set expectations. So we set expectations for people, and, and we manage them to those expectations. And, and this is something that uh, when, we, when we work within the Business Fast Track program, we talk about setting objectives, and then how do we take those yearly objectives and how do we drill those down so that every person on your team is aligned with the specific set of objectives that are going to make your business successful for that year? So now everyone knows that they're, what they do matters because a lot of times uh, our employees don't connect with us because they think, you know, what I do, it really doesn't matter. I'm not going to take it that seriously because it's not that important of a job. I file paperwork. I answer phones. Big deal. It's not, it's not that important. But you want to let them know that, hey, what you do is very important, and I'm going to tell you why. Because when you do these things, it supports one of our overall objectives. It, it supports this objective, and it supports that objective. If you don't win in your position, we're not going to win overall as a team. So I want to set those expectations. And, and what we're looking to do is we're looking to create high performers. And I'm going to give you a couple of different stories with regards to creating high performers and what that looks like. Because you may look at your team right now and you think, you know what, I'm getting the most out of them that I possibly can. And that may be true, but it may not be true. And there's a couple of examples of this. Um, maybe not as great of an example, but if you look at someone like, uh, if you're familiar with the National Football League, uh, Randy Moss is a player who played uh, for the first part of his career with the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings got a little tired of his attitude, and so they shipped this guy who played wide receiver to the Oakland Raiders. Now, 
Randy Moss did terrible when he played with the Oakland Raiders, and if anyone's familiar with football, they know that the Oakland Raiders haven't had a lot of success over the last 10 years. Um, they went to the Super Bowl about 10 years ago, and they haven't done anything since. Randy Moss did terrible, and this was someone who people thought uh, was maybe one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game. Went to a losing organization with a losing culture and was a loser. What happened to Randy Moss? He got traded to the New England Patriots, who have been one of the most successful NFL franchises over the past decade. What did Randy Moss do? Randy Moss set records. Randy Moss all of a sudden raised his level of performance. Um, And we see this within a culture. Um, Randy wasn't any different of a person, and his skill set wasn't any different when he played for Oakland versus New England, but he played in a different system that had a winning culture, they set expectations, and they wanted to create high performers. And if you look at that, if you look at the New England Patriots, uh, they typically get, they get more out of people. And so how this – the other story that I have uh, that, that talks about how to create a winning culture is, is a story that I'm familiar with because it's something that, that I was a part of. And when I very first got promoted as a manager, and I worked in the corporate world as a manager – I remember coming into that situation and really thinking that I was going to change the world. I was so excited. I thought, man, I'm going to create just a bunch of people who are going to act like me, think like me. They're going to be uh, A-teamers like me, and we're going to just kick some butt and, you know, next stop CEO of the company. I mean, that was just my mindset. Well, about a year and a half later, I was still in the same position. Our team was mediocre. And at that time, I thought, you know what, I'm going to get fired. I came home to my wife one day, and I looked at her, and I said, honey, it's only a matter of time before they fire me. We're doing terrible. Our results are mediocre. My team's not engaged. I don't know how to get any more out of them. So I remember my boss coming to me about the middle of that year, and he, and he talked to me. He said, how are things going? I said, they're going terrible. Obviously, you know this. You see my results. They're not good. The team culture is not what I would like it to be. I don't know what to do. And so the reason why I'm telling you this story is because a lot, of us on the, a lot of people on the phone who are professional business owners think that they can't be good managers. And so what I want you to see is that I was a terrible manager, but here's what happened. I, my boss said, hey, you know what, we've got, I was working in Denver at the time. My boss said, hey, we've got something in Salt Lake City. Uh, it's a coaching training to help you be a better manager. So I went to this training, and there was a lot of people there that didn't take it very seriously, but I knew I was about to get fired. And so I just, I just soaked it up. I mean, they had this coaching model that, that I used for years and years that they introduced me to, and they really talked to me about how to build a high-performance team. Well, the funny thing happened. I came back to my office, and I recognized all these things that were wrong with what I was doing, and I knew why my team didn't like me and why they weren't engaged. And so I, I came to them, and I said, you know what? I've had a change of heart. I realized that I have not been the best manager for you. I haven't been supportive. I haven't been encouraging. I haven't uh, celebrated what you bring to the table and what your strengths are. I've done a poor job of that. In fact, I've demotivated you rather than motivating. And they were very surprised that I came to them and talked to them about this, especially so honestly. But at this point, I had nothing to lose. So I said, here's what I vow to do. We're going to change the way we do things here. I'm going to set expectations. I'm going to create boundaries. And I'm going to raise the level, and I'm going to encourage you and help you raise the level of your performance uh, in the best way that you can. And I looked at each one of them, and I said, is that okay if I do that? Do I have your permission to set some specific expectations of you, hold you to those, 
and be as supportive as I possibly can so that you are a winner within this business and that we all win. And they said yes. Well, the funny thing happened over the course of the next uh, year, we, we did very good the second half of the year. Uh, I kept my job. And then the next year, we were rated one of the top offices in the whole nation. Uh, I went from being a mediocre person to almost getting fired to uh, we actually had a, a star performing office. I got promoted. And I, the funny thing about this is, is I didn't change any of my team. I had the exact same team as when we were mediocre as when we were high performing. And then what I realized is uh, the person who was mediocre was me. Uh, it wasn't my team. Now, this may or may not be the case for you. Um, you may legitimately have some mediocre performance, but there's always things that we can do as a leader to inspire people and raise their level of performance. And if you don't get excited about what's going on within your office, if you don't push them uh, to do their very best in a way that's supportive, not in a way that's belittling them or demeaning them, um, you know, it, it's not time to get Bobby Knight on people, but, it, you know, it's, you know, in a way that's being supportive, you can see that with what you have right there, you can create more value in your business with, by having the same resources that are at your disposal if you create that winning culture. And so, you know, take a look at your culture, and your culture may be good in your office right now, but what are some things that you can do to improve that? One of the things that we talk about um, in the Business Fast Track program is uh, corporate retreats and company retreats. How do we really get out and connect with people and really uh, – really build that relationship and that connection with our team so that they're, so that they're the kind of people that, uh, you know, here's the difference between, I'll illustrate the difference between a winning culture and a not winning culture. The not winning culture looks like this. The, the owner of the business or the manager or whoever goes to their team and asks them if they'll work on a Saturday. The people who work in a not winning culture will give you all the reasons and excuses why they can't work on the weekend. The person who's created a winning culture will go to, that, go to a team, tell them they have to work on Saturday, and they can't wait. And that's the difference between a winning and a not winning culture. So when I talk about corporate retreats, we get to some times where people say, there's no way that someone would take some time out of their Saturday to talk about our business. But if they're engaged in what you're doing and they love the culture, they'll do it. So that's the second way, just from a habit standpoint, how can you increase your management? How can you create that internal culture that takes care of the external experience? How do you coach your team? How do you set those expectations? And how do you create those high performers in your business? Because all highly valuable businesses have those superstar employees uh, within their business. So when we, when we talk about Apple, when we talk about uh, Zappos, they all have essential team members uh, to their team. So the third habit that I want to talk about uh, has to do with financials. And so I'm not going to uh, channel my inner CPA right now, but right now there's, there's, uh, there's some money in your profit and loss right now. So one of the things that Chris mentioned at the beginning of the call uh, had to do with Rob Scranton and, you know, reducing the amount of processing fees on your credit card. And that's one thing that you can do to create more value in your business, manage your expenses. And so, how often do you look at your profit and loss? And if you look at your profit and loss, do you even understand what you're even looking at, right? This is, a, this is a problem for a lot of newer business owners. They look at their profit and loss. They look at their balance sheet, and they're like, here's what they do with it. They look at their profit and loss, and they either get really happy because 
they have profit or they get really sad because the profit isn't as high as they'd want it to be. And so we want to move beyond just getting happy or sad as a result of looking at our financials. And we want to, we want to use our financials to uh, create a winning business. And so, you know, how often do you look at your balance sheet? So the better your balance sheet looks, the better your business looks. So when someone's buying a business or looking at your business to assert, to look at its value, they're going to look at your balance sheet. And they're going to want to see how, many, how much assets does this business have? What are the liabilities that this business has? Um, you know, what are all the, you know, what, what, is the, uh, what is the net worth of this business, you know, as I'm looking at it? You know, does this person have uh, unnecessary debt on their books that um, is, is, you know, hindering the business's growth potential? Um, does it not have any cash in the bank? So when we talk about uh, increasing, the, uh, increasing the worth of your business, uh, one of the things that you guys learn about in the financial fast track program is creating a wealth creation account. And a wealth creation account is very important. Um, and then if you talk to Ryan O'Shea, Ryan O'Shea will talk to you about, um, you know, putting money into an annuity or, or a different, uh, a different uh, fund that's liquid. Well, within your business, you should also have a wealth creation account for your business and you should also be building uh, a savings in your business as well. Uh, if you look at Apple right now, and, uh, you know, Chris, you can jump in and give me the figure, but they have over a billion dollars in the bank, if I'm not mistaken. Chris, do you, do you know what that is right off the top of your head? Uh, not anymore, but it, that, sounds, that doesn't sound too far off, though. Yeah. So, it, I mean, they have literally a billion dollars in the bank. I mean, how valuable is a business that has a billion dollars? Now, obviously, uh, I'm not saying that you should have a billion dollars in your account, but it's not unreasonable over 15 to 20 years to have uh, well over six figures uh, in some kind of an account that you have. Now, why is this important? Well, if you want to, uh, if you want to add a, maybe a, a different uh, product or service, maybe you want to buy uh, some equipment for your business so you can offer a different product line. Well, if you have money that's liquid, that's there right in your business, you can make that decision much more easy then if you have to say, okay, well, can I afford the lease payment? Um, you know, how am I going to, you know, do I have room on a credit card to buy this? Um, how is this going to look for me? You already have that cash. But, the, but a ca you know, a dollar inside of your business is way more valuable than a dollar outside of your business. So if, you, if you're not creating some kind of a wealth creation account in your business, you should start building up some kind of a savings and in your business uh, so that you have something for re reserve and emergencies, but also so that you're building value in your business. Um, one of the other things I talked about was looking at uh, your financials is managing your expenses. Now, no business is ever successful by managing expenses. I mean, you have to put the production to it. But at the same time, just as we illustrated with the credit card processing fees, what are some other fees that, uh, that you look at that maybe you're overspending on. And I've identified, I, I just talked to someone about their financials, and we identified $17,000 that if they made one specific change, it was literally worth $17,000 right on the spot. Another business, we identified $25,000. Now, don't get too excited and think that, hey, if I do the business fast track, he's going to show me how to save seventeen dollars or $25,000. That may or may not be the case. Sometimes I give people the peace of mind of looking at their financials and say, you know what? Your ratios look really good. Um, I don't see any particular areas where you're uh, grossly overspending. Uh, I would say, for the most part, you're doing a very nice job. And so that's always nice to hear as well, to have someone look at that and do an analysis on their financials and say, hey, you know what, you're doing things, uh, you're doing things in line with what, uh, with what you should be doing. But, you know, 
how can you how can you manage those expenses to make sure that you're getting the best deal on supplies that you're not overpaying in rent? Um, rent was another issue where we looked at someone who had uh, just a, really an exorbitant rent payment for the space that they had, and they realized that their their rent or their lease was coming up in six months. It was a huge opportunity for them because this is literally going to save them thirty five thousand dollars by changing uh, spaces. They found a space that was equivalent to what they were doing in, in actually a nicer spot, and they're going to pay significantly less. Instead of paying 12% of their revenue, they're only going to pay 4% of their revenue, and that's an 8% difference. And if you take a look at 8% of $700,000 or $500,000 or you know whatever your annual revenue is, that's a huge difference. That's a huge swing. And you do that by looking at your financials and knowing where you should be. Um, one of the things that we talk about in the advanced financial process is we talk about product margins, and we help you manage the margin within the advanced process. And But this is something that, particularly if you're a dentist or someone who offers a product, um, this is really something that you can look at and get a handle on um, in terms of what is your what is your profit margin on all the different products and services that you offer? What is your gross profit margin? And so you may have heard this in other circles referred to as cost of goods sold. Um, and so in, in a, for a dental practice or other service practitioners, this is cost of services sold. Um, you, you know, a lot of times we do it for our supplements and different things uh, that we offer. We, you know, we figure out how much does it cost us to buy the product and ship it and all that good stuff. But you can also do that for your service. And so uh, for dentists particularly, when you know your margins, you can manage your margins and make sure that you're making a specific number or percentage off of your services. Now, why this is important is if, if your costs start to creep up a little bit, that's when you know it's time to raise prices. And we're going to talk about raising prices here in a minute. But the reason why you look at your margin is then you can analyze. Uh, you, can, you can make uh, improvements in your margins right now without changing anything, you know, without having to increase the amount of clients that you have, and you can bring some more value and revenue into your business just by doing that. And if you times that by three, four, five years, um, you're talking about a pretty significant amount of money. So when I'm, looking at, when I'm looking at a business for purchase, you know, I'm looking at balance sheets, I'm looking at product margins, I'm looking at how well this company manages their expenses, do they, do they know their books pretty well, do they have savings, do they create budget? Do we do a pro forma? A pro forma is basically a business budget. And am I doing a business budget every year? So here's what I'm projecting in revenue. Here's what I'm projecting in expenses for employees. Here's what I'm expecting to spend for marketing. Here's what we're going to spend on uh, new equipment acquisition. All these different things, I want to put those into a business budget. And these are things that we work on within the business uh, fast track program, but we also do trend management, the advanced financial program. So. Uh, the last thing that people look at when they're looking at buying a business, and this is where you can really help yourself, is by putting together growth projections. So what, is you, what do you expect your business to do next year in growth? But what do you expect your business to do five years in growth? And what is your growth plan? So putting together growth projections, but also a plan. So you could say, look, in the next five years, we expect to increase revenue by 30%, and here's why we expect that revenue to increase. Uh, we just added this relationship that sends us X amount of referrals, and we have speculated over the next five years that they're going to send us uh, this many referrals that's going to increase our business. Over this time, we're going to build five or six more relationships just like that of people that we've already started talking to that are going to start referring us business. And 
these are the things that we want to start doing to start instead of wishing and hoping that our business grows year after year, we start really taking control and saying, okay, how much growth do I want next year? How much growth do I want in five years? And what am I going to have to do to go out and make that growth happen within my business? Okay, so growth projections. This is a huge thing. When people are looking at a business, if you can show them a growth projection plan of how you intend to grow your business, uh, that's huge. That, that really is something that attracts investors and people who are looking to buy a business or, or business brokers uh, to your particular business. And it's a way to uh, get people to you know, start bidding uh, and get multi getting multiple bidders on your business. So those are the three habits that we talk about, working on your business, creating a winning culture, and financial. So the last thing that I wanted to talk about is something that we deal with within the, fin the advanced financial process. And, and this is talking about generating revenue um, by, you know, increasing your revenue growth. So there's a, there's a lot of different ways that you can generate additional revenue. Now, one of the things I talked about was increasing prices. Um, you know, I, I know especially in this time period, people are really hesitant to increase prices because the economy hasn't been the very best. So I know there's a lot of people who haven't increased prices for five, six, seven, eight years. Well, that's, that's well and good for a time, but this is why we want to look at our product profit margins and make sure that our profit margins aren't diminishing as a result because the reality is you may not be raising your prices, but your rent's going up. Um, your utilities are going up. Um, you're having inflationary pressures with supplies and equipment and things like that. So while you're not raising your prices, all of your vendors and everyone else are. So it's important to take a look at that. And if it's been a while since you've increased your prices, take a look at what that might look like um, if you went ahead and did that. Um, creating new delivery methods for your, for your service. So are there different ways that you can deliver your service more efficiently um, so that you can see more people? Um, adding complementary lines of revenue to the business. Um, so, you know, what are, you know, what are some other ways that you can add revenue to your service by adding products and services? Now, that's not necessarily um, a fail-safe. Now, a lot of times when I see people add complementary lines of revenue, so, you know, for instance, uh, if you add a product or service that you don't normally do within your business, um, a lot of times that can actually drive your profit down because, because we add too many things too soon. So you have to, you want to you wanna add those lines of business in a way that's systematic and allows you to dial that thing in before you start adding other things to your practice. So um, if, you, if you feel like there's some things that you need to tighten up within your current business, before you add other lines of business to your uh, to your portfolio, then make sure you tighten those things up so that it, so that it really truly is an opportunity and not a distraction. Um, I was reading, and this is specifically for chiropractors. I'll mention this um, because I'm about to write an article about it. Um, but um, what I noticed in uh, in a survey that uh, Cairo Economics did recently, um, they had talked about that people who offer multiple lines actually are less profitable than people who don't. Um, now, they do more revenue, but they're not, they're not as profitable, and that's a lot of times because we start adding too many things uh, to the portfolio that we're, of services that we're offering, and it becomes harder to manage. So things start slipping through the cracks. We add more staff that maybe we shouldn't add. We start to bloat our expenses a little bit, and it decreases our profit margin. So the, the, the bottom line is, is that, look, revenue is great, but profit is better because profit is what you take home in the form of dividends, you put into a savings account to keep later. What I want is profit. Revenue is great, but profit is better. So if you're increasing revenue but decreasing profit percentage, 
that's not a good mix. But if you can find complementary lines of revenue to add, then definitely look at those things. Um, you know, if you have revenue generating people to your organization, so I, I was just working with an IT services firm um, just recently, and we were talking about this particular thing. What the business owner realizes is they never had a sales team. Um, they've always grown their business through referrals, but they really want to expand this year. And so we, we talked about adding a salesperson to the mix to do this. Um, I've talked with a lot of fitness professionals about getting a salesperson uh, to help sell their products and services as well. Now, obviously, if, if you're in a doctor's office, uh, a chiropractor, dentist, you know, high, going out and hiring a salesperson is probably not uh, realistic. But another person that you can add that could generate revenue for your organization is an associate. So I know a lot of people on this call are probably interested in, in uh, adding a, an associate to the mix to increase production, but also that will free them up the time, as we talked about at the beginning, how do we free up our time, hire more team, and associate is one of those ways that you can do that. So not only can an associate free up your time, but it can be a revenue generator uh, for you as well as they, as they bring uh, the ability to not only more, do more capacity within your office, but if they're a good marketer, they can bring business in to your, uh, to your practice as well. Opening up referral networks is always huge. And I'm not just talking about your patients referring, but, uh, you know, I've worked with a lot of different uh, chiropractic offices that have worked with midwives, doulas, um, even different dental practices, uh, dental, dentists and chiropractors referring back and forth. Um, you know, who are those people that have complementary businesses in your area that you can really build a relationship with? And this can, relationship marketing can be difficult because it does take some time. But this is where you want to spend some time outside of your office and really work on, uh, you know, creating that relationship capital for your business. The more relationship capital that you bring where you're bringing in a steady stream of referrals from other businesses that, you know, people are having specific problems and they need help, um, and, and you're, the, you're the provider to do that, um, it just creates win-win relationships for you. Um, so don't give up on that. I know it's a little frustrating, but sometimes people, you know, give up on building uh, re referral networks and, and relationship marketing. But when you can do that, I mean, if you look at Free and Fast Track, we're, we're a company completely built on uh, relationship marketing for the most part. I mean, we do some website stuff as well and some online marketing, but a lot of the stuff that we do is all about building relationships and relationship marketing and creating value that way. Um, you know, for a lot of business owners, we've talked to them about, uh, especially in the Vance program, focus on recurring revenue type products. So, you know, what are some recurring revenue type things that you can do that just bring revenue in month after month? Um, I, I know a lot of uh, programs are starting to do more of that monthly membership type thing. Um, if you look at this in the medical field, I mean, I see a lot of urgent care centers who are now putting people in a monthly retainer. You know, so for 50 bucks a month or 70 bucks a month, you know, they'll see your entire family, uh, you know, twice a month or whatever that looks like. So, um, you know, what are some similar models that you can do within your business to increase the lifetime value of your, of your customers? And do you know what the lifetime value of your customer is? So when you get a new customer, what is the lifetime value of that person uh, for how long they're going to be in your practice? Um, and, you know, you increase that lifetime value by obviously creating that recurring revenue to where they're coming in month after month, but you also uh, look for ways that you can create or increase retention. You know, how well are we doing on increasing retention and, and keeping uh, the people in our practice that, um, that, that are already doing business with us? How do we keep these people longer? How do we keep them engaged and really seeing the big picture month after month after month? So 
uh, take a look at some of those generate, you know, revenue generation activities, you know, increasing prices, uh, improving your delivery methods or changing the way that your product or service is delivered, adding complementary lines of revenue, adding revenue generating people through associates or referral networks or, um, you know, other people that can complement your business that way. Are there other recurring revenue opportunities that you have through a membership or whatever that looks like? Um, that, that can increase that lifetime value of your customers. So um, those are some of the things that you can do uh, that to me are very are, – that are easier for you to implement. They don't take uh, as much work. A lot of these things are really things that we can just tighten up as business owners and do a better job with. So if, as I'm talking about this, uh, you want to take a look at a business assessment and talk about either one of the programs or if you want to talk to me about coming to our next workshop, um, for those of you who are listening who are already in the Business Fast Track program, you're already invited and have a ticket available to you for the September uh, workshop. But if you're listening to this call and you think you might want to look at what Business Fast Track is all about or, or the Advanced Financial Program, um, I would invite you to, to contact me and we can talk about if it would be a good fit for you to come to our next workshop in September before the Living Wealthy event. Um, so... Um, just make sure you email me that. My email is B Allen. That's B as in boy, A L L E N at freedomfasttrack.com. Um, and I guess at this point we'll just open it up to Q and A, Chris. Unless you have anything else you want to add. Yeah, I'll add one thing from a question you asked earlier about Apple. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're not they're not sitting on a billion dollars of cash. It's actually twenty eight twenty eight and a half billion dollars of cash. So we we're oh. a little off. Okay. <laughs> good. Good times. <laughs> good times. <laughs> But, Twenty-eight billion in cash. Yeah, but I mean, who? I mean, it's just details. I mean, it's dollars and cents, right? <laughs> Nothing big. Yeah. But uh, no, this is great, Brand. I mean, I, I know I, I got a lot of notes I typed up here and, and got a lot of good stuff out of this. I mean, I love how it's working on the business, creating a winning culture, managing the financials, and generating those additional revenue sources, and leading all that leading up to increasing the value in your business, not just for you as as the doctor and the business owner, but really for anyone who's even looking at your business. And, and not only is it for people buying your business, but I know like a lot of the things you've taught here are great when people go in for like a bank loan, for example. I mean, putting Absolutely. together a growth projection. I mean, how many people actually even have a plan for one year, let alone five years, right? Yeah. So, well, if you, uh, had cash, yeah, if you had cash in the bank and a growth projection model for your business and you went into a bank, I mean, forget it. I mean, you're going to get any <laughs> loan you want, um, yeah. you know, within reason. Right. No, absolutely. That's, these are these are powerful, powerful things. And I would invite everybody on this call, uh, not only just to come out and you know contact Brandon about coming out here uh, in September or whenever you come out to the next Living Wealthy event, but I would invite just even just taking one of these areas and focusing on that. I mean, that could be hugely, tremendously valuable in your lives. So, so yeah, definitely. Let's open up questions for for Brandon at this point. Uh, go ahead and hit star six on your phone to unmute your phone. And go ahead and announce your name and who you are and, uh, and ask away. Hi, this is Eric. Can I ask a question? Go for it. Um, what would you two uh, both recommend um, in hiring an office staff, an extra office person? Would you say uh, that they're valuable enough to hire now um, before you have uh, uh, everything going and, and flowing nicely, or would you rather build up uh, something and then hire them? Because um, 
I've been wanting to hire a, a front desk person, and yet um, I'm just so busy with uh, with everything else. I'm too busy working uh, in the business rather than on the business. Uh, and just what, what's your advice on that? Okay, that that's a really good question. And so when I look at that, I, I balance it between two things. Number one, I take a look at my profit and loss, and I say, what does this do to my budget if I add another employee? So how much? You know, what does this do to my profit margin if I add this other employee? And how much do I need to generate an additional revenue in order to make this hire over the long term a viable employee? So one of the things I'll do is, is just take a look at, okay, if, if this person is going to uh, dip into my net profit, uh, you know, some, some of that may be okay if you're, if you're, if you're at a, a decent net profit already. But if it, if it really, you know, so for instance, for a chiropractor and a dentist, you want to be at at least 10% net profit. Um, you and that's and that's after everything's been paid in your business. You want to have at least 10% left over. Um, so if you if that if that hire caused you to be below 10%, um, then I would look at okay. Well, as you said, Eric, the dilemma is okay. You know maybe maybe it's not exactly the perfect time, but I'm working so much time in the business that I'm not spending enough enough time on it. That's when I might say look, if I hire this person and I really delegate some responsibility and get them doing this, here's what I can expect me to produce for my practice as a result of doing that, and I feel really comfortable doing it. So um, I would take a look at the numbers and see what is it going to take for you to produce, how much additional revenue do you need to produce to justify it, um, and, and maybe where you're at right now, it's already, it's maybe it's maybe something that's been a long time coming. I mean, I've I've certainly worked with some practices where, I'm like, dude, you should have hired someone a year and a half ago. <laughs> you know, you're ready. So, you know, it just depends on where you're at. Some people really, you know, they're so afraid to spend their, their business money that, you know, they do 15 different activities. So uh, for you, you know, it may make sense. I mean, as long as the numbers, uh, you know, as long as it doesn't put you in the negative or anything like that from a profit standpoint or, or, or put you, you know, in, in too much of a financial hardship, uh, just make sure you analyze what you need to produce, and then you know it sounds like it, you know that would be a good move. Okay. Yeah, one way I look, yeah, one way I look at it, Eric, just to go along with what you just said, Brandon, is is uh, say for example you're that you're looking to hire somebody full time is two thousand dollars a month. You know, looking to see well, okay, well if I have this person in this position, will this allow me to go out and and find more patients? And so if if one patient was actually worth two thousand dollars a year for you. Therefore, you just need to have one new patient per month to pay for that, that person's salary, right? Right. Um, the trick, trick is, of course, you can't just sit on your laurels and do nothing. You have to make sure, okay, if, if I freed up this time by not working in the business, I better make sure I'm working on the business and I'm actually you know, doing this to be able to generate that kind of revenue and bring in at least that one new patient a month. So that's kind of how I look at it. If it's, uh, if it's well worth it for that reason, then it could be a, a great investment for you. And maybe, like what Brandon said, it could be very long time coming. Yeah, that helps put it into great perspective. And in that case, I'm ready to hire somebody right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't start just yet. Wait till the call's over. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Eric. That was great. Other questions? How are you guys doing? Uh, Jamie from New Jersey. Hey, glad to have question. you on, Jamie. Good. I have a question for you guys. I'm actually... Uh, about hiring and firing, I, f I find that in my business I have have a lot of employees, maybe too many, maybe too few, I don't know. But um, 
my biggest problem is finding the the characteristic when I'm hiring, you know, what, what to look for somebody, you know, um, look for in them. And also, when do I fire or when have you guys fired on performance? Or when do you say, oh, you know what, let me continue to motivate that person? I mean, is there any go-to or it's just an inside feeling that you guys have found? Well, when at all possible, so let's let's address um, from the, from a hiring standpoint. What I what I want to understand is, okay, what are the values that I have as a business? What are my business values? And then I want to hire people who are complementary to my values as a business. And when I'm doing the interview process, I look for things that um, that where I can ask questions that allow them to demonstrate those values to me, how they've actually lived those values in their actual life. Um, as far as the whole system goes, um, you know, there's a lot of different hiring tips, um, but hiring, you know, knowing your values and understanding what it is you exactly want is very important. And then obviously there's a lot of times where we just do, we do things that we know we shouldn't do in the hiring process. For instance, if people have spelling errors on their resume, we bring them in for an interview anyway. What a waste of time. Uh, don't do that. If they're late for the interview, uh, we consider them anyway. We give them a second chance. We give people all these second chances in the interview process, even though it's like, look, if you can't get these most basic things right in the interview process, what are you going to do? Uh, we, you're now trying to put your best foot forward. What are you going to do when you've already got the job? So, uh, you know, from a hiring standpoint, those are things. Uh, Chris, we, we've got some other resources that we can send you from a call that we did on this topic um, a few months ago, and then I've got a couple articles that I've written on the subject as well. But from a firing standpoint, I always fire with regards to, you know, from a, from a firing standpoint, what I want to do at the very beginning of my relationship with an employee is I want to give them objective measures for success. You know, I may give them a period where they're learning, and then it's go time. So I try to make my measures for success for my team as objective as I possibly can so that it's, so that it's as cut and dry as possible whether or not they're successful. And so, you know, we have some tools that we use to, not only set objectives for the business, but then set a set of objectives for each employee that are measurable that allow them to not only support the success of the business, but also allows them to know how they're performing. And so as soon as someone's underperforming in a specific area, um, the problem is, is sometimes you can turn around an employee who's underperforming and you, can, and you can do that. But what happens a lot of times in our business is we see someone underperforming and we just we kind of get more and more frustrated about it, and then we finally say something after they've been underperforming for months, underperforming for months, but by that time it may be too late. So if you have an underperformer, my suggestion is is to confront the performance immediately, put together a game plan of action saying, okay, here's where you underperformed, here's why that's, here's why that's not a good thing, and what I want to do right now, Mr. or Mrs. Employee, is I want to see what are you going to do differently as a result of this conversation to bring your performance up to an acceptable level? And is there anything impeding your work progress right now that would keep you from hitting these objectives that we've talked about? So I want to take all, I want to put all the excuses, all the reasons and everything out on the table and, and get them to put together a game plan. And then it's really just a matter of systematically managing them after that. I know that kind of sounds uh, not ideal for a lot of people when they hear that, but, if I have an underperformer, 
what, what I really want them to do is I either want to improve, their, I want them to improve their level of performance or I want them to quit. I, I, I mean, I would prefer not to have to even fire them. Uh, and if you manage them right, they'll see the writing on the wall and they'll leave. Um, but, you know, I, if, if there's performance issues, I want to see, can I coach that performance? And, you know, if it, if it doesn't improve over, you know, a specific period of time, then it's time to, you know, cut that person loose and just say, look, this is not a good fit. We've talked about this several times. Your performance has not improved at all. Um, so we're going to part ways. Yeah, go ahead. As far as your objective measures, is there a resource? I'm a, I'm a dentist in Jersey. Is there yeah. a resource that you would have, I mean, that to measure each employee? Um, you know, for for a dental assistant per se, or even that for a receptionist. Um, yes, there is, there is, um, and, and I, we we can get you some information on what that looks like. Okay, should I email Wade? My my. Um, yeah, e- email Wade, and and, and uh, I'll I'll make sure that he he gets some information to you to help you with that. Cool. Okay. Thank you. Uh-huh. And, J- and Jamie, to answer uh, kind of what Brandon also mentioned too, we did a call about hiring and delegating a few months back. Uh, if you go into your on-demand, uh, where you know freedomfastrackcoaching.com/member, um, you normally okay. go to the homepage where all the videos are. There's also a tab at the top that says Curriculum for Wealth, and if you click on that, you'll see below in that section it says MP3s, and towards the bottom, uh, one of them is labeled Hiring and Delegating Secrets. Go ahead and click and download that one, or you can, you know, you guys can, uh, you know, register for our pod, for these things on iTunes, and you can get them all. But um, click on that one, and that's and that's got a lot more depth that Brandon and I went into about that very subject. Okay, great, thank you. You bet. Great question. Thanks. All right, other questions. Okay, going once, going twice. Okay, well, everybody, uh, you know, thank you for your participation in the call tonight, Brandon. Thank you so much for being here and and really helping you know, helping us really see some real simple ways to increase value in our businesses. This is something that I think is is uh, is going to be valuable for for time and again for for many people on this call and, and myself included. So, thank you so much for your time, Brandon. It was it was really absolutely. It was my pleasure. pleasure. It was it was awesome. I love talking about this stuff. So I could. Uh, I could talk all night about it. It's uh, it's fun. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a big subject for sure. It's, that's that's the hardest part is simplifying this because you can go on for hours on this one. I know. Yeah. Um, but def, uh, definitely, I, I agree with uh, what you had mentioned earlier as a call to action. Make sure that each of you, you know, if you if you're already in business fast track, great. Get out here. Get to one of those trainings. Be able to be in a very intimate setting with Brandon and and our team, and be able to really develop your business and get it more personalized. And then those of you that aren't. This is a great, a great opportunity for you to be able to get out here as well and, and uh, email Brandon and see what, what opportunities you might have to be able to attend one of his events. So, uh, again, Brandon, thank you. And uh, everybody, you have a wonderful and prosperous month and as well as a weekend for the, during the summertime here. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Good night.